Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and today I'm joined by Cameron. How's it going, Cameron? Hello, I'm doing great. Uh, the end of the year is approaching terrifyingly quickly, but that's a good thing because I'm ready for 2021 to be over. <laughs> yeah, let's go 2022. And yep. I I don't I don't even have like expectations for it and at this point it's just been so bizarre like, oh, the last God. two years yeah. I don't know what to do yeah. with that and I feel like not enough things are going to change yeah probably like I I I would love a resumption of not the new normal or whatever you want to call it yeah but I yeah. feel like that's just not gonna happen <laughs> like nowhere yeah. near. I was stuff I wanted to do, things I want to do just doesn't feel safe. So we're just kind yeah. of, you know, take Trouble it day by day or or month by month mm. as the case feels more appropriate. But it's yeah, yeah it's it's rolling up <laughs> on us. We are already in mm-hmm. spooky month. It's October. I know. End of, it's almost done. End of spooky it's, month. It's, it's, it's one the, week left. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? I blinked and I thought we Don't were know. still in July. <laughs> yep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seeing as it's spooky month, um, that means nothing for us because we're always doing monsters. Yes, it's what we I do. Was say. <laughs> uh, however, we are continuing on with our trend of ghosts because that just felt like what this year is. It's a bunch of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And last time we took a look at several uh, adaptations of the Canterville Ghost. And uh, this time mm-hmm. we are looking at. A bevy of ghosts, thirteen yes. ghosts uh, to be a baker's precise. dozen of ghosts. Yes, and <laughs> we will be looking at um, both the nineteen sixty original film Thirteen Ghosts, directed by William Castle, mm-hmm. and then the two thousand one, which also was released in October, I believe. Um, yep, remake <laughs> Thirteen Ghosts, spelled out with leet speak. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, they got a good poster at least but god that's a terrible title (laughs) it's not great i don't know um but that was directed by steve beck who does he has like i think assistant director or cinematography Mm. um um, filmography but his only other film was ghost ship uh, which we're oh. probably, we're probably in remiss not watching that. I I, enjoy, yeah. I remember yeah. enjoying it, but I think it sits in the same space that this Thirteen Ghosts occupies. We'll we'll Almost discuss definitely. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, we're 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 within the same week. It was released on October twenty sixth, two thousand one. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it was. 20 years ago, this very week. Yes, this very <laughs> night. Uh, <laughs> apropos. apropos. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, so uh, I watched that in the theater. Um, oh, nice. 2000, I was I was like 20 years old um, when that came out. Wow, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Cameron, I'm assuming this is the first time you've seen this? Yes, uh, I definitely did not see it in theaters because I was seven. Um, 
not appropriate <laughs> for a seven-year-old. I'm gonna call not it. App- not appropriate for a seven-year-old. Uh, I mean, eh, well, if I closed my eyes, like every time the music started getting more intense, it would probably be fine. But yeah, I don't. It, it fit, this movie is incredibly nostalgic for me for a, for a couple of reasons. The first and big one is it's got like a bunch of actors that were relatively popular during the time when I was a child, like. I can't remember the last time I actually saw Tony Shalhoub in something, but I remember as a kid he was he was in Spy Kids. He was he was the dude in that, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, here he is. Obviously, it was uh, it was his time to shine. He was in everything um, <laughs> at the time, and you know, like got all the actors, and then just sort of atmospherically, thematically, it has that very early two thousands feel. Like it ends with like a hip hop track <laughs> when the credit sequence rolls uh to to give everyone a uh a glimpse into the style of this uh of this film is it's uh very um it's kind of very non-serious for a film where like the script is pretty serious overall like the premise i should say yeah which it, is, it, which is it sits interesting. in that space where alone in the dark Resident Evil, mm, um, yeah, yeah, a couple other mm. video game adaptations. I mean, this this isn't yeah. an adaptation of a video game, but it feels like it could be. Ah, oh, it would be this 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 film would be such a good stepping off point for a Resident Evil, um, Fatal Frame sort of crossover spin off. Yeah. where you're exploring this big, intricate, mechanical haunted mansion, but it's Filled with ghosts instead of zombies, I think yes. would be really interesting. Actually, it's sort yeah, of a, a I mean, yeah, you... two thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. and it already has mm. the built-in camera obscura. Need to use yeah. a thing to see the ghosts. Mm. 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 Got to recharge your sunglasses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's um... the the Google Glass before it was. <laughs> oh, a thing. oh my god! It is. Holy crap. I didn't even think of that. I think they even look like, like them. I want to say that they probably yeah, they modeled really the Google Glass after these. <laughs> yeah. I, I They're very stylish. Mm-hmm. They are. They're quite stylish. Um, as everything is in this film, I will admit. Um, yes. It also, of course, has Matthew Lillard in it, uh, who a mere year later would rise to horror fame as Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. So, uh, you know, we're dealing with extreme uh, early 2000s personalities here. Uh, I I really enjoyed this. Um, it sort of took me off guard because the poster, like the theatrical poster for it, looks not as comedic as I feel the film turned out to be. Like it looks, yeah, you know, it looks like oh, you know, it's named Thirteen Ghosts. I know it's a supernatural horror film. It might be a bit more serious. And then the film starts. I'm like, okay, no, never mind. We're not doing serious. Here's a Here's the ghost of a truck driver haunting a truck yard, and the Ghostbusters are here, essentially. <laughs> it sort of veers very quickly into that territory. Um, but, like, yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, the, the practical effects for the ghosts, I think, were overall pretty impressive. Like, they are a bit dated by nowadays standards, but there are, there are like, a few that are really, really good. Um, like the torso was really impressive, um, which uh, you know, 
I, you probably don't remember exactly how it looked, but like it, it looks great. Uh, honestly, I think it's probably helped by all the ghosts here are seen in really brief flashes more than anything else. Um, so yeah, some some yeah. of the special effects and prosthetic work is great, uh, but primarily like the set, <laughs> the set uh, I think is probably what makes this movie really stand out because it's it's kind of crazy <laughs> that presumably they built the the whole house this story takes place in because you can see like directly through it <laughs> yeah everything's made of glass and it's all mm. inscribed with um uh, golden runes i think it's i haven't yeah. watched this in a while yeah, like, so like it looks kind of like yeah and it's like kind of circuit boardy looking like that's i mm. think what mm. they're doing is merging that with science yeah it's it's like um Actually, I know what it feels like. It feels like the 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 um the windows in Prey twenty seventeen, <laughs> but as an entire building, almost like lots of very flat angular style panels, and then they've just added Latin scroll <laughs> over the entire thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's super impressive and like interesting. I think as an idea for a setting is this house that you know, shifts around because it's just a bunch of glass panels essentially on winches <laughs> unlocked with this, again, incredibly Resident Evil front door lock and everything like that. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It is definitely like a schlock horror, um, for sure. <laughs> it's not, not taking itself too seriously, despite the fact that the premise of, we're stuck in this house and 13 ghosts are being released to kill us uh feels very like dire uh but you know it's got great some great little beats of comedy then like some like i said decent practical effects and like so, some genuine scary spots uh yeah it's pretty good i i haven't watched the original <laughs> to compare and contrast to although i'm going to uh at some point uh yeah should we should we just uh should we just dive in and just summarize the overall plot yeah let's let's give everyone uh like a, a taste of things to come no the uh <laughs> just a synopsis because <laughs> it's it's pretty bare bones as far as the story is mm. concerned yeah yeah um so yeah we've got uh this this professional ghost hunter named cyrus kodetikos he's Greek, I guess, um, who is essentially going around the country and he, he's catching ghosts. He's got he's got these big cubes, these containment cubes that he puts them into almost a little um cabin in the woodsy. This film actually kind of fits into cabin in the woods like that. Um, <laughs> every film does, I guess. Um, is uh sort of, I mean, yeah, he's sort of the primary antagonist here. Um, the film opens with them trying to attempt to catch a ghost things go wrong uh cyrus is killed and his psychic assistant dennis played by matthew lillard uh isn't going to get paid uh smash cut to a little while later and cyrus's nephew um who has had some trouble you know there was a house fire in which his wife died they're not doing so well uh finds out he's the sole beneficiary of cyrus uh so he gets this incredible weird glass house that Cyrus built, uh, and everything's going to be fine now. You're going to be okay. Just sign on the dotted line. 
uh, and the 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 gist of this is this house was built as sort of an engine to access hell to open a to open a hell gate and find something called the oculus infernum this eye in hell that can see like the past the present and the future to be used for om for sort of this omniscience uh if you if you can understand what it's showing you uh this device is powered by 12 ghosts uh and as a fail safe a 13th ghost as as such as the title of the film uh can be used to essentially shut the whole thing off if something goes wrong or something like that it's not it feels like it's like they, in the film they say it's a fail safe but then it, it seems it was a, like it it's was a more trick. necessary yeah it was the, okay, it was the cool. activation he needed a 13th goat to right to, okay. to jump start the engine okay good good my brain was a little confused there yeah it it's very silly together. because you could have just like murdered anybody and made a 13 in fact you they did there's multiple <laughs> yeah. people that became there's, there's... far more than 13 ghosts but yeah there, there are many you know, don't think ghosts. about it <laughs> absolutely not um and yeah the the gist of it is cyrus is actually alive and being a a ruthless ghost enslaving millionaire i guess he's decided that the easiest way to activate the engine because it, it needs to be a ghost filled with love uh is to trick his nephew into killing himself to jump start this engine and the best way to do that is get them all in the house shut the house down and uh put his kids in danger <laughs> uh and and this happens uh, a variety of you know other things happen throughout the plot like you know uh they they experience close encounters with a bunch of ghosts one of which is um oh my god what is what is what is tony shalhoub's character's name in this arthur there we go uh, yes. uh like arthur's arthur's dead wife is the fourth ghost and all that, like, all the ghosts yeah, the... apply to these archetypes. The Withered yeah, Lover? Sh- yeah, the Withered Lover. Is yeah, his, yeah. His yeah, yeah. All, all Each of the ghosts has to fit this sort of archetype for the engine to work properly. And, you know, we, we get glimpses of what they're like. Um, we don't actually find out a whole lot of info about them, but that's okay, because there is actually a whole lot of info about each ghost. It's just not explicit in the film no it's like Um, supplemental material (laughs) yeah which is which is weird because for me like it's probably one of the more interesting pieces is the fact that these ghosts are so fleshed out ha 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 um (laughs) it's really fun uh to read about them but um yeah you know like the things happen along the way we got we got a sub plot with um matthew lillard's character being a psychic who has never been accepted by anybody before um, but yeah, anyway, uh, long and short of it is Cyrus faked his own death, uh, and he's he's unleashed this mansion of horrors in order to essentially become a god. Is uh, you know, it's always the stated end goal of achieving complete omniscience, I guess. Um, yeah, and you know, it's like I said, it's worth watching, even if you know the the gist of the plot, because. It's fun, it's funny, it's got, like I said, great practical effects. Um, but the uh, the interesting bits are the ghosts, honestly. Um, the rest of it is just kind of a standard 2000s slock horror movie. <laughs> schlock? Schlock, not slock. Don't know what slock is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, 
and having not watched the the 1960 original is there much different there like is the, i think you mentioned it was uh, so, relatively similar yeah it's it's fairly similar uh we have like the 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 bones of the plot is kind it's it's similar uh so mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in the original uh it's it's dr plato zorba they decided to also okay. still be greek in the um yes the remake but he <laughs> uh he passes away and uh relinquishes or wills his house to his nephew cyrus uh, oh. and um mm. his his nephew and uh so cyrus cyrus's wife and two kids uh they're all yes. um Cyrus is a um, paleontologist. No, yeah, archaeologist mm-hmm. working at the <laughs> L.A. Museum of Paleontology. Okay, so, one uh, one of those two then. Yes, uh, he's. I think he's a paleontologist. Um, mm. but he's forgetful or something, and they keep defaulting mm. on house payments so oh. the, the family's continually dealing with um moving companies coming and repossessing all their furniture oh and then they, they he'll make the payments he get the furniture back but he's like a month mm. late all the time it, it's like a habitual thing they they play it for yeah. laughs but yeah it's like very stressful mm. I, I don't yeah know. yeah that feels um, tragic <laughs> yeah so uh it, it, it it's his son yeah, I was say Bucky. It's his son Buck's birthday, uh, and his they're they're just all their stuff was all taken away. They're just sitting in like on the floor with like some plates and a little cake, and it's like, oh, um, t- tear your eyes away from your ghost book, Bucky, to make your birthday wish. <laughs> and Bucky like loves ghosts. He has like every yeah. book on the supernatural, and mm. um. He, uh, he, he, it's just really weird. So, uh, he's making his birthday wish and then his sister, who's like a teenager, the Bucky's younger, he's like, I don't know, 10 maybe. And his sister's yeah. like 16 or 17, she's a few years older. Mm. Um, but she's like, you have to tell us your wish or, or it can't come true. And the mom's like, yeah, if you don't say it out loud, I'm going, I think that's opposite, but maybe I don't know. I don't know when birthday wishes became a tradition, but uh, it's yeah. just weird to see them say you had to say it out loud. Mm. Uh, to, yeah, that does feel and, weird. And, and he's like, "I my wish is that we had a house with furniture that didn't get taken away all the time. That's a very reasonable wish, child. Um, mm. Mm. And the, the, like the doorbell rings uh, and they have a telegram from this the creepiest dude uh, whoever has delivered a telegram. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it turns out that he um, Cyrus gets the the message uh, saying that his uncle passed away and has bequeathed them this house, uh, mm. with the, the granting the wish of young Buck. Yeah, yeah. So they go to meet the accountant. I don't know the smarmy lawyer guy that run that ran all of Zorba's his funds. I guess his banking. Mm. Guy, I don't know what he is. A state executor, apparently. Yeah, but he's smarmy lawyer-looking guy, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, your uncle didn't." He like 
doesn't have any money, but he had the house, so he's not giving you money, but he's giving you the house with everything in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, here's the box. Here's this box. I don't know what it is. Or it's a... It's like a wrapped up thing. And so... Yeah. Cyrus opens it up. It's, like, sealed with wax and stuff. And he opens it up, and it's a, a pair of uh, glasses that have, um, uh, yeah. like, prism lenses. Like, huge... It's very unwieldy. It's like a mm. ugly prop. <laughs> it's, it's very, very, very prop-like. Glasses. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the deal is that they, um, if they don't take the house, it, the house gets uh, gets transferred to the state. And then the state will turn it yeah. to, to a park or something. Like it's, it, it, okay. Like it's butting yeah. up against a reserve or whatever. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's in LA. So. Yeah. Um, there's no space for anything. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, well, we'll just take it because they don't, they're, they're in a little apartment. Um, yeah. So they go there and the estate comes with uh, a, a maid. Who mm-hmm, they're like mm-hmm. we can't we can't pay you <laughs> we don't have any money <laughs> and she's like no I just if you let me live here I'll just continue doing my job yeah um yeah. but the the great thing is they they walk into the house and Bucky or Bucky's in Bucky Buck is like that's a witch um and because <laughs> it's it's the the maid standing on the stairs holding a broom but um mm, mm. the the actress is the lady that played the um the wicked witch of the east or whatever in um Wizard oh, of Oz. Oh really? Yeah, oh, that's it's great. so it's it's really that's good. Funny. Um <laughs> it was also really strange seeing her with no makeup, you know, and mm, yeah, but, no um, green she's, skin. She, yeah, but she's very severe looking. Like her hair is mm, like I've never seen oh, hair bet. pulled back so tightly. <laughs> um but she's she's great. She's just choose the scenery every time she's on on the screen mm. uh yeah they they dwell in the house and the lawyer or the executor guy he's like before they move in he's like yeah you guys just shouldn't like maybe don't live there like just let it go to mm. the state like that's your best in your best interest um because yeah. it's uh it's haunted and they're like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, your uncle was like capturing ghosts from all over the world. Um, and, and he's like, there's a bunch of ghosts and they're dangerous. And he's like, I didn't believe mm. it either, but I, I dealt with your uncle a lot. And I was like, it's some weird stuff. And he's like, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't stay here if I didn't have to, you know, do, deal with getting a house to either you or to the state or whatever. Yeah. So... They spend their first night in the house. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy is going on really. But then uh, Buck comes into the like the little family room, and he's he's holding a Ouija board, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. like, "Look what I found!" Uh, and so the Cyrus like spends all this time like explaining the history of Ouija boards, and <laughs> it's real weird. It's like, okay, yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, this movie's from um, uh, 1959, uh, mm-hmm. so it uh, it wasn't a thing, uh, kind of. It's it's where they have to introduce it because it hasn't become a trope yet. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so early yeah. that 
people wouldn't know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they're 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 playing with it as a family, and then it starts like being spooky, and the the planchette's like floating around, and um, the kids are like, or Buck is like, he loves ghosts, so he's like, is there ghosts here? And the thing's like, yes. And he's like, is it, is it, are they going to hurt us? And it's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the daughter's like, are they going to kill someone? And it's like, yes. So, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, they're sufficiently like wigged out because the planchette's floating around and like, mm. it's, there's nothing there to hold it up. So, uh, yes. Cyrus is concerned, like, where he, where did you find this? And it, it turns out he found it in a secret alcove um, by the fireplace because he pressed a, a bit of the sconce in it, like, opened oh up a door. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Incredible. Uh, yeah, it had, had the planchette in it and a, a book. Mm. It's like a, a diary. And it turns out that yeah. the, the giant diary is only in Latin. And, of course, the um, the <laughs> Cyrus can't read it. But he's like, yeah, my my boss at the um, the museum, he's like, that's that was his expertise. So he's like... It was something weird. It was like he mm-hmm. he could um, he he sleep talks in Latin or something. So it's, yeah, so yeah. like I'll, I'll lend it to him and then he can translate it and um, let us know what it is because it's weird that it's hidden behind the fireplace. Mm. Uh, and they it, it progresses from there. It doesn't ever give like the remake. Um, mm. It doesn't introduce the ghosts really. It, yeah. it shows them and uh, uh, Buck like talks about one of the ghosts. It's a Swedish chef that murdered his wife and her lover <laughs> and so now he's mm. in the kitchen and he throws stuff around but those can be like he's just breaking jars but then he likes chucking cleavers and things so he could kill yeah. you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Buck is just fearlessly exploring the house because he doesn't care about ghosts. I mean, he cares about yeah. them, but he doesn't, he's not worried about it apparently because he'll go into like the freaky un- unlit basement by himself and oh boy. He, he finds like this big circus chest and opens it up and it's like, mm. a, a, there's a big lion a poster of this lion tamer um, and he, he takes the, the hat and the whip and he's like cracking it around and then he sees this like <laughs> nasty cage in the corner and goes over yep. and opens it up. And oh. um, I think he... I want to say he borrowed those glasses. Because he's just wandering around mm. with them on his face. And then he sees like the ghost of this lion. And then the lion tamer ghost is headless. and Because it got his head bit off. And it's like... Mm. It's trying to whip the lion back into the cage. It's very... It's like... I can't say that it's scary because it's kind of silly. Uh, yeah. But it's taking into account maybe when it's out, it might have been creepy. Yeah. yeah. Like vaguely creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we just get that. We just understand that like the lion tamer was killed by the lion and maybe they killed the lion mm. afterwards. And that's why there's a ghost of it. I don't know. Yeah. I wish, I wish it had like given some exposition and, and, mm. and more for the other ghosts. Cause you, you get like a brief, um, 
Cyrus finds another secret passage, and it's his uncle's laboratory, and he mm. puts down the glasses and sees um, the journal like it bursts into flames, uh, and the mm. number thirteen is writes itself on it, and then it like uh. it burns into his hand, so he has like a giant thirteen burned into his hand. Mm. And never, like, it doesn't expound upon that. You just have to <laughs> understand that he's marked as the 13th ghost. Yeah. Like, potentially, yeah. I guess. Um, but he sees three ghosts pop up. Um, it's like a, a floating head, skeleton, and a wrinkled lady. And... <laughs> um. In the opening credits, there's like a crawl and they kind of sh- introduce each ghost. They kind of like come wifting by the screen. I don't like it. So that, that part's fun, but mm. it shows the skeleton on fire. So you're waiting for this burning skeleton ghost. And I want to know yeah. about the burning skeleton ghost because that sounded cool. <laughs> uh, but instead, like the kind of hag, the head and the skeleton all just burst into flames. And they, they're, ah. sc- they're screaming. All three of them. Mm. And it's really... Like, I had headphones in, and it's just loud. They're just <laughs> screaming for, like, a minute. And he's mm. screaming. Uh, Cyrus. And then the ghosts disappear, and this burning wheel of fire. It, it's like a wagon wheel. Mm. It just spins and, like, keeps flinging at his head. And he's flipping out. And it goes away. So I want to know about the burning wheel. Like, what? Mm. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> um... It does not explain that. Uh, no. So it turns out that his his boss does translate the thing. We get a great bit of exposition. He, he goes back to the museum, and I like the, the cut of his boss's suit. It's very nice. Um, mm-hmm. And his boss is European? He has an accent. Yeah. And yeah. He, he explains, he's like, for a... For a paleontologist um mm. it's great he's he's really like uh, cyrus comes in and he's like cyrus if any uh, if, if, he's like he's like if a, if a fraction of this diary is true um your i i'm frightened that your your uncle was a the he has discovered more about the supernatural than anyone in history and he's mm. like not. He's like not even if the whole thing. He's like just a fraction of it. He's like reiterating like a, just a bit of this. If any of it is true, um, it's horrifying. Yeah. And your uncle went all over the world, and he's like naming off countries and going. He got he captured ghosts. He he, he spent years <laughs> in um, inventing these um, goggles. And with those yeah. goggles, if you if you can see a ghost, you can like kind of control it. Hmm. Uh, and he used those to control these spirits and bind them um, into his house for something. <laughs> they didn't yeah. bother like explaining why he captured the ghosts. Oh. Mm. And he's and he's <laughs> like, uh, he he caught eleven ghosts, and then um, Cyrus is like eleven. You said there were. Uh, I was told specifically there was twelve ghosts, and he's like. Yes, your uncle is the twelfth ghost, and then Cyrus Ooh. is like looking at his hand. It's all bandaged up, but he knows he's number thirteen. Mm. Uh, yeah, ooh. Uh, ooh, spooky. And 
they're the family's talking to the um the maid and she it turns out that she's not only the maid but she was um Dr. Plateau's uh assistant and mm-hmm. she's a clairvoyant and um she had helped him capture a bunch of the ghosts uh but now she's just she she finds comfort with the ghosts and just hangs out and cleans mm. the house like she doesn't yeah. mind um but she's like i told she's <laughs> like i told your uncle not to liquidate all of his assets he like liquidated all of his assets except for like the house um and i guess the mm. furniture uh but his his bonds and stocks and like every bit that he had saved up he turned into cash and um yeah she's like it, it uh, i don't know what he did with it it's like they didn't find it. It's it's gone, um, and then they're like, "Of course, it's somewhere in the. It must be somewhere in the house." Uh, and mm. Buck ends up like becoming friends with the executor, who it turns out was trying to get them not to stay in the house because he wanted to be able to explore it at his leisure because he knew that um, mm. uh, Zorba went through and like liquidated his assets and wanted to figure out where the money is because it must be in the house yeah but he's also scared mm. of the ghosts because he knows they're real um, <laughs> and it turns out that the executor murdered zorba oh uh, okay to, to get at his i guess maybe he was trying to torture him to get them to tell them where the money was i don't know yeah but it's the most stupidly elaborate um Okay, so Zorba's four-poster bed it has a canopy, right? And Mm -hmm, you you press a button (laughs) on the the foot of the bed and the canopy will, like, lower down onto the bed and it's, like, made of plastic or something and it'll suffocate you. Wow, that is... Elaborate. Yeah, it, it's elaborate and has no perp. Like, if you yeah. own the bed, why would you make a bed that can suffocate yourself? Mm, yeah. Unless, yeah, and, seem... and, yeah. So, unless mm. the executor was like, "Hey, I bought you this cool bed," <laughs> which is also <laughs> doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know why, yeah. but <laughs> Doctor Zorba had a had a suicide bed yes deathbed yes oh. <laughs> it's real oh, weird dear. and it doesn't make like everything was fine until the suicide bed yeah 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 that's kind of crazy it, but it turns out that yeah the um the executor like used it just turned it on when the doctor was asleep and it suffocated him mm. and made him an angry ghost and yeah i would imagine the ghost shows cyrus uh the button yes and he presses it and he's like that's weird and doesn't like comment on it again um but it yeah comes, of course it comes back up because uh the executor uh bucky's just goofing around and money just keeps like appearing mm. he, he, he's like he likes to slide down the banister and get yelled. He gets yelled at because you're not supposed to slide down the banister. Uh, yes, and of course. He, every time he slides down, uh, he and jumps off like money falls out of somewhere. 
Oh, and he keeps yeah. picking, he keeps picking up like hundos. <laughs> He's like, "This is two hundred dollars." It's like that's a lot of money. That's mm, a lot yeah. of money in nineteen sixty. It's a lot yeah, of money now crazy. if you just found two hundred bucks oh. to pocket money. Yeah, I'd be happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he's just jamming him into his like his little jeans, and he's like, "I found money." Uh, <laughs> and he he tells um, the executor, and the executor's like, "Where did you get that money?" He's like, "It just appears when I slide down the banister." Uh, mm. And it turns out that there's a um, like a hollow stair. Ah, uh, yeah. And if you jiggle like the little banister, it um, it little it opens up, and there's like just wads of cash like st- stacks <laughs> stacks jammed into the staircase uh mm. so the executor is like okay okay buck um yeah your family needs this money but it's real late and we can't um uh everyone will be too excited and they can't sleep so it's like well, have a good night and i'll come back in the morning and wake you up real early and we'll show your dad the money, and we can all get out of this house because it's full of ghosts. And yes. Buck's, Buck's like, okay, <laughs> sure, that sounds legit. Sounds good. <laughs> um, but since he's the only other one that knows about the money, he goes back to he goes yeah. to sleep, and the executor goes and takes him out of his bed and puts him in the deathbed. Oh, my and, God. like, turns it on to go suffocate this oh. child. Um, wow. But the ghost of Dr. Plato shows up and yeah yeah i think pushes the executor into the bed and uh, the, the yeah. kid gets out i don't like i don't remember what happened i just know the kid was out of the bed and then the the guy mm. gets pushed in there and it gets suffocated he's hoisted yeah. by his own petard uh <laughs> and then the family's has the money they're rich um but when the murderer was killed, it like made the other ghosts not upset. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why the other ghosts have nothing to do with. They're just trapped there, but <laughs> the Plato is protecting his family, and he he avenged his own death. Yeah. Um, and the glasses explode into sparks in flame because you don't need them anymore i guess yeah okay sure uh, <laughs> and they just decide to live there happily ever after and then it like the, the it's ending the movie but then you still hear those spooky ghosts like they didn't leave mm. um, yeah yeah of course Why yeah it's so <laughs> so that's how that's there was some more going on, but that's the long and short of it. Mm. Uh, with I, yeah. I, I added in a bit just to like clarify some stuff, um, just mm. to kind of give a mm. better impression of like this family. Uh, yeah, because it's more about family dynamics and like way less about the mm. ghosts. The ghosts just yeah. really didn't matter. They could have just been the Zorba ghost, and it would have been fine. Didn't have to have thirteen of them. We have no idea mm. why he, the Cyrus got marked to be the thirteenth ghost when really it should have been the executor. Whatever, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. No, it's a mystery. Um, <laughs> I think it's just the directorial, the, 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 the director's style and the screenwriting because a few of yeah. these things um, also appear in his in his previous film House on Haunted Hill, which we will cover in the future, probably next time, mm-hmm. um, along with the. Uh, remake of that one uh but yeah i i enjoyed this um 
I'm trying to think of so the buck looks like he's from Happy Days. Mm. Like that's he. He's like, <laughs> is that Opie? I don't know. <laughs> uh, he looks like a young Ron Howard. Yeah, like a little plucky kid, and he's just like far too energetic. Mm. And his and his love of ghosts translates into just not being scared of them. Like I wanted him to tell us about the yeah. ghosts. I just it didn't deliver yeah. on that front. Um, mm. Mm. So well, neither of the films it, did. <laughs> no, and that was like the disappointing part because I wanted to see more of these ghosts. Uh, the movie mm. itself wasn't done in three D. It was um Ill- illusion vision or something. And yeah. so what they did was uh, for the audience members, you would get a, a pair of uh, red and green lens glasses. Oh, man, uh, that takes me back. But, yeah. And so what they <laughs> what they did was all the scenes that don't have the go or the, the whole film is filmed with a blue uh, tint in it. Yeah. And then the ghosts are filmed with the red tint. So what you could do is you could close an eye, I guess, and just use the red one and be more scared by the goat. Like they would show up more. Yeah. But if oh, you if you didn't if you didn't want to be scared, you could just watch it with the blue lens, and the mm. ghosts wouldn't appear. Like you couldn't see them really. Oh, that's really interesting. That's cause that's. That's a that's a choose your own adventure for a horror movie. Yeah, but, I um, thought that that was a neat touch. Yeah, it's it's, it's difficulty modifiers for a movie. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that they included the glasses. I, I think apparently it didn't really work that well. Um, yeah, because uh, you could sure. see the ghosts regardless. But uh, the glasses as a way to like. In- integrate the audience into the film because specter vision glasses are like a conceit of the film yeah uh, works yeah, really well uh, and mm. i i like that they reintroduce those um ghost lenses uh for the remake like I, yeah. i've always liked that idea that you you can't see ghosts with like your naked eye but you, through mm. some other device um like brings that into focus yeah and yeah. and the fact that that acts as like a controlling mechanism like if 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 it's something is perceived it can be it can be um manipulated mm. makes it's not like it makes sense but it um it uh it Feels adds right. an interesting dimension <laughs> to it and yeah it sounds like it makes sense like okay mm. yeah yeah uh and it and it gives um what it what it's doing is it giving the perceiver like an agency that doesn't usually exist um in these kind of movies or like films like poltergeist mm. that you're you're only acted upon and you can't do anything and that's yeah you know, that's a frustrating <laughs> kind of horror like mm. it's 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 scarier yeah. because you're you're at the the whims of whatever force is acting on you and you can't do anything about it. So that loss of agency is is part of the horror, but in giving some people uh, a chance to like do something about it Mm. helps. And, and they kind of, I feel like they did that with uh, the remake. I want to say that, uh, because they can see the ghosts, they can avoid them. 
Yeah. Like yeah, that, that's, actually, that's um, your agency. And I, I want to say Matthew Lillard, yeah. like, I think he's like, use the glasses because if you can see them, yeah. like, you won't be immediately killed. <laughs> yeah. They actually, they actually used that really well at one point where, um, Matthew Lillard was stuck in a room with the, with the greaser ghost with a baseball bat and the the maid had the glasses on and she was directing him like when to duck and stuff as the ghost was taking swings at him like they they played around with that a bit in the remake and it was actually quite fun and you know the idea of you know you've got so many people but you have x minus one number of glasses so there's always a pair of people like juggling being able to see what's going on yeah it's kind of a fun dynamic yeah, that's a that's a neat conceit, and uh, it, 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 it's the um, it's like the it's using more than video games. Uh, a game, mm. say like Doom Three. I want to, I want, I want to. I believe yeah. they give you a flashlight and you have your firearm, but you can't have them both out, which is silly. But yes, um, that that <laughs> adds. Um, an extra level of like fear to it because you mm, can use it mm. to see or you can use it to shoot. But if you try to shoot something, you got to take your light away. Yeah, yeah. And then they then people immediately modded that out. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> one uh, of the most popular mods of all time is the duct tape mod. Just stick that flashlight on the shotgun. Yes. Or um, use your other like you can hold. <laughs> Two mm. things. You can hold multiple things. If Alan Wake yeah. can have a heavy duty lantern and shotgun in his hands at the same time, I'm sure the Doom guy can as well. <laughs> yeah. But I um that be I just I think of that because I was playing that I mean that game came out before um this of course, but uh mm. the Xbox version, like when they put it on console finally, um was about yeah. around this time. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Gosh, I think like two thousand three or something, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, the the early two thousands, yeah. that era. <laughs> but that, yeah, that idea, um, and that shows up in uh, just the idea of like light affecting the supernatural. You mm. get that with um, Alone in the Dark. Yeah, where your Carnby uh, can use his flashlight to ward off, like, kind of ward off things attacking him uh, mm. but again it's your weapon and it's the thing you see with so you've combined yeah. them and you can point at the stuff attacking you but you can't it's harder to see where you're going then because you're you're aiming mm. the, the, the one light source away from where you're running yeah yeah yeah, I I really wish that they had put more um, emphasis on like I I don't, I don't always want exposition dumps and lore dumps, but I do in cases where uh, it it's fleshing out like the world of it. It's making mm. it more real because it's it's couching these ghosts in like their pasts. Like what? Why? Who are they? You know, you get an idea of. Uh, the the remake gives a better idea contextually based on like what they look like because they put a lot yeah. of effort into the costumes, um, mm. and you can 
you get a, a sense of the ghosts through their archetypal names because they're I think they're still named in the they're, they're named in the film. Yeah, yeah, they read them all out in order. Like these are the twelve ghosts. Yeah, I wish that was at least done in the original. Mm. It's just more incidental. Like Buck is like, yeah, that's the Swedish chef that murdered his wife and <laughs> and her lover and uh he's like we should get out of the kitchen i mean he's mm. they're they're aware that the ghosts are dangerous oh yeah yeah like he's like we well, can't just they're not dangerous all the time but certain spaces like the kitchen you can't just hang out in there if that ghost is there because he could mm. hit you with the cleaver yeah yeah absolutely but then there's ghosts that like look like they should be um, threatening. There's the one that's mm. the executioner, and it's it's just a pair of gloves and a hatchet, and then it it's constantly oh. like beheading another ghost. Like there's just a head. The the the, yeah. the, the head, the yeah. floating head ghost, is the beheaded victim of the executioner. Uh, that's fun. So again, it's neat, but it doesn't do anything with it. Hmm. Yeah. Like, they're not chasing someone around with, like, the ghostly hatchet. Like, that would have been cooler. Mm, yeah. You know? So they're playing with stuff, but they just really were focusing on, I think, the family dynamics, which is fine. Um, mm. That added a, a little bit more substance to something that, like, definitely really didn't have much of anything. Um, yeah. And then there's a fun monologue in the beginning of the film where the um, Cyrus is, is giving a lecture... Um, about the La Brea tar pits and um, mm. like what happened to animals caught in it to like a group of um, kids or muse students like at the museum. Yeah. Uh, and that just reminded me that I, I have many years ago been to the Brea tar pits and then that I just thought about how bad it mm. smelled because <laughs> it's yeah. just <laughs> bubbling tar. You're just like, oh, oh yeah, not, not great. A good, not a good smell. Um, but yeah, just things like that that uh, made it um, made some things more tangible. Oh, and then the one thing mm. I uh, didn't mention was the the house they used. The interiors are, I think, sets, but the exterior yeah. of the mansion is the Winchester um, mansion in San Jose. Oh. Uh, okay, so that was cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. To, to like know that bit of trivia, and then what also I. I lived near San Jose for a few years, and I don't think at the time I knew the Winchester Mansion was there, because I definitely mm. would have gone to see it. <laughs> yeah, and then like I was watching the movie, and then I was kicking myself. I was like, man, I was there. I should have just went, but I was busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, I really just wanted to know more about the ghost. They just didn't deliver that mm. part of it, um, and it yeah. didn't give. A concrete like the ghosts all felt um they didn't feel they felt cohesive uh like what yeah. they, what it showed what they did was kind of across the board the same they could affect the material plane uh, mm. they you could see them only with the lenses which they only had one yeah. pair uh and otherwise they're that didn't affect your perception of them um, what I wish it had gone more into was if you can see them, like when when you spend time to like 
exposit and tell the audience that if you can see them, you can affect them. Mm. Like, they don't do anything with that other than, yes, the uh, Dr. Zorba used that idea to capture the ghost for we don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I I wish it had told more about that and then, like, had something where uh, they were in... Cyrus or or Buck was like influencing the ghost to, to do something, you know. To, to, yeah, it's, it feels like Chekhov's gun, where they introduced an aspect and then just didn't do anything with it. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, the ghosts are sort of more defined in the remake in terms of like how they work, which is good. Like you know, yeah. you get a ghost if someone dies a, a violent or otherwise torturous death, and they get stuck. Um, they, there are certain spells which can be written or, like, audio-based that the ghosts have to follow the instructions of, so they they have, like, tapes with Latin recordings and stuff to instruct the ghosts to do certain things, which is how the machine runs. Um, they can affect you whether or not you can see them, and they can, like, you know, again, same thing, move things in the material world, but in the remake it's pretty clear that you can't really do anything to the ghost itself like you can't touch it or interact with it even if you see it but it can get you which is a bit of an unfair advantage um they they do have uh slight weaknesses like um there's a there's a character who brings in a quicksilver flare uh so a, a particular kind of light can sort of drive them off for a bit um but otherwise it's you know if you want to deal with them safely you've got to have a whole bunch of latin scrawled all over the walls and that kind of thing so it's nice they they feel they feel relatively well fleshed out as a concept in the remake which is nice uh even though the individual ghosts are not gone into as deeply without getting into like director's commentaries and things like that yeah and it the um, the world that that like posits is interesting but then it feels like it this is the case in a lot of media where um malevolent ghosts are a thing uh mm. why wouldn't people like know about it like you don't have to know they're specific oh, yes yeah. but like they're murdering I mean, they're they're actively like hurting mm. people like yeah like the majority it, of europe should be uninhabitable yeah that, and that, that's the thing is you're, you're getting into the territory where it's, you really just can't think about the logistics of it because it just won't make any sense mm. yeah yeah absolutely like <laughs> yeah oh a ghost is you know a soul that's you know died in this particularly horrific or tortured or just violent way like okay how many wars have we had <laughs> yeah that, that's that's no, not insignificant number of people <laughs> even, even if it's like one in a hundred one in one in a hundred that's still like millions of ghosts over the centuries well, we, yeah, we and if the, the the malevolent ghosts are like horrible, if you get killed by it, you're now a ghost because they are not mm. nicely disposing of you. No, yeah, well, it, it, even in the remake, Matthew Lillard gets uh, killed by two ghosts and indeed appears again as a ghost, although not as a malevolent one initially, at least. Give him some time, I guess. Well, and it doesn't seem like that's. Uh... That depends on like the the actual person being mm. ghosted because we have uh, the yeah. wicked lover and she's just protective. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, although, again, she's a very recent ghost, like within the last six months. and Yeah. One so... of the lines implies, like, time might make ghosts more malevolent, which, again, posits, why has the world not yet ended? Uh... <laughs> yeah, and that's something that they play with in um, the idea of ghosts in the Supernatural uh, TV series, mm. where uh, it's not that you become... Uh, evil or angry you just forget yeah. that you're a person mm. and yeah. you lose your your identity and humanity uh mm. so you just erode as um a, a consciousness over time and mm. um things that are alive just make you upset because you're not yeah. alive and so then you attack living things mm. Mm. is i think yeah the, how it worked out yeah fair enough that makes sense well shall we talk about some ghosts let's talk about some ghosts we have uh 12 several no 10 11 <laughs> 11 ghosts to talk about 11 that we have um should be 12 well I feel the, like 12 the, right the, the 12th ghost is um cyrus and he's not dead True, true. Oh, actually, hold on. I'm gonna do a quick count here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, there's twelve in the remake, which is actually a plot point because um, <laughs> Arthur sees Cyrus's go. This this is confusing. That in the original, the protagonist is Cyrus, and in the, yeah. the remake, the yeah, the um. <laughs> Arthur sees Cyrus the ghost and goes, wait, but he should be the 13th ghost, but I'm meant to become the 13th ghost. Something doesn't add up, and then just takes the glasses off and sees that he's not, not dead. A, not a ghost, yeah. Yeah, Okay. so, so, so there are 12 in the remake. It's, uh, uh, you know what it is? It's uh, two of them are always presented as a pair, and my brain just lumped them as a single, like, communal ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we'll start with number one. We have the firstborn son. Um, in the in the remake, this is a a little sort of like ten year old boy, uh, clearly dressed up to play cowboys and Indians with a with an arrow through his head, uh, not in the comical way. <laughs> uh, it is the ghost of Billy Michaels, loved to play cowboys and Indians, and uh, one day another little kid challenged him to a duel. Uh, Billy used a cap gun, and that kid used an actual bow and arrow, <laughs> um, which, you know, he's still walking around with. Uh, he is interesting in the remake. He's very threatening, but never actually does anything threatening. Like, the, the, the cast go, oh god, it's like a ten-year-old kid with an axe. And all he ever does is like hang around and and um occasionally ask the 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 young living boy to play with them. Uh, it could just be he never got his chance to be super malevolent in the film. Uh, but you know he's he's just he's just a kid dressed up to play who happens to be dead. Yeah, and it and it. I always read that as it, it implies like if you go play with him, he plays for he plays for real. <laughs> mm. Yeah, true. The last time he played, he did get shot in the head with an arrow. <laughs> that makes sense. If you don't play with him, he's perfectly harmless. Clearly, 
Uh, <laughs> uh, we then come to my personal favorite of the ghost designs, just in how they were implemented, which is the torso, uh, number two, um, which is just, it is just a, a severed head wrapped in cellophane and then a t torso, so no head, no legs, also completely bound up in cellophane and like crawling around with its arms looking for the head. Uh, it is super disturbing and looks great. Uh, great job for the for the production team on that one. Um, and this this torso is uh, Jimmy the Gambler Gambino, uh, a gambler from the early 1900s, who caught the attention of the mafia, loved to uh, set up bets. Uh, he lost a boxing bet and didn't have the money to pay up, and so they cut him into pieces, wrapped him in cellophane, and dumped him in the ocean. <laughs> Once again, uh, not a super aggressive ghost, although I think in this case it's more because he doesn't have the means rather <laughs> than the rather than the intent. He only shows up a couple of times for like split seconds, and it is great both times, honestly. Yeah, I think that that's one thing the movie mm. um, did was uh, to to its detriment maybe it, it's better for the practical mm. effects because when they're showing the ghost it's, it's usually doing a weird strobe thing mm. and it's it's kind of blinking and it's sort of yeah. distracting i think it's like a diegetic strobe effect because the way the glasses work in the remake is they shine these little lights back into your eyes yeah and maybe that's what let it, that's what letting you see the ghost and also helps the practical effects not get looked at for more than a second at a time. Just yeah, and, and maybe it's better. like it's hitting your eyes with a certain wave frequency. Mm. Yeah, yeah, some some ectoplasmic <laughs> light frequency. I don't know. Yeah, that's a t total <laughs> supposition. And then also why like mm. you just don't want to walk around wearing them all the time because that would be really mm. irritating. Oh, you would go blind in like a day, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um we then have the uh we have then the bound woman, uh which is number three, uh who is a who is a young lady in like a, a prom dress, uh with a with a tie tied as a noose around her neck. Um and you know, obviously looks to have been hanged with like all the, the facial horror that comes with that. <laughs> Um, she was Susan Legros, who is the richest girl in a small town. Was very popular, um, but had the unfortunate habit of being being a bit of um, I don't know how to word this properly. Yeah, uh, being you know fickle with her affections, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and on her senior prom night, an ex uh caught her with another guy. Uh, he killed the guy and then hanged her with his own necktie. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, she's, uh, she's actually in the remake, the one that initially lures, uh, Bobby in the remake, not Buck, uh, the young boy down into the, um, down into the basement where all the ghosts are kept. Uh, so she's, you know, again, got that sort of playful personality and doesn't necessarily, like, again, do anything directly, directly malevolent, but again, this might just be for not getting the opportunity. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Hard to tell with some of these. Uh, 
then we have number four, which we've mentioned several times already, which is the Wizard Lover, uh, which is Jean Criticos, uh, who is the wife and mother of, uh, well, the wife of Arthur and the mother of the two kids in the remake. Um, she died as a result of terrible burns sustained during a, an accidental house fire. Uh, apparently, a log just rolled off the fire and set the set the house ablaze, uh, which is obviously makes for a terrible Christmas. Um, not at all dangerous, of course. She's completely benevolent because it's her family that's there being sacrificed to ghosts. So why would she uh make things worse for them? She was a, she was a nice she was a nice woman. <laughs> yes, and all her uncle-in-law. Mm. Yeah, stole put her, her in a ghost. cube. Yeah, yeah, stole her right out of the hospital. Um, she's also like the most completely normal looking of the ghosts. Like it's just a lady in a hospital gown with an IV stand and like some Freddy Krueger style burns, but only on half her face. It's probably the the easiest way to describe it. Like, yeah, looks fine. Um, she's also the one you see the most clearly. Because, you know, obviously there's there's a couple of emotional scenes where she shows up and people look at her and it doesn't do the strobe effect as much. <laughs> um, she she also, like, uh, interacts with electronics. Uh, she speaks to the, to the little kid through his tape recorder at one point, which I thought was interesting because, like, none of the other ghosts seem to do anything that where they, they can make themselves heard in the physical world. Uh, everyone else seems completely oblivious to the the other ghosts yeah um, I, I like that that angle because that plays mm. upon the at the time the burgeoning popularity of evp and mm. uh yeah movies and tv shows like going well you can't you don't really hear ghosts except for when it's being played back on a recording yeah. Which is like yeah. why we don't just hear ghosts all the time because you have to be mm. doing something very specific um, yeah. To, yeah. to hear them and then you can't see them without specific eyewear. So mm. that's, yeah. that's neat. Yeah, it's nice. I, I like ghost hunting accessories and I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> I think it's neat. <laughs> uh, we have number five, the Torn Prince. Uh, Royce Clayton was a gifted uh, teenage baseball player in the fifties, uh, who you know, lots of lots of colleges around the around the USA were seeking to sort of uh, pick him up for sports scholarship, presumably. Um, and uh, you know, in retaliation for being popular and well loved by everything, a local greaser cut his brake lines, causing him to die in a terrible car accident, which tore him up pretty badly, uh, hence him fitting the archetype of the Torn Prince. Uh, and he managed to, he was buried at his baseball diamond and uh, took his baseball bat to hell with him. Uh, so he's sort of this this 50s greaserish looking guy with a baseball bat, uh, but has like these horrendous lacerations just across the right side, like the entire right side of his body. Uh, it's kind of kind of funky. <laughs> Uh, and if you have a prince, you obviously have a princess. So we have the angry princess. Uh, Dana Newman was a very beautiful woman. Uh, lived, you know, sort of like the late 1900s. Uh, she unfortunately suffered a lot of abuse throughout her life. Um, 
And, you know, because of this, she grew to believe that she had lots of flaws and issues that she uh, couldn't deal with just in her day-to-day life. So she had a bunch of plastic surgery to deal with this. Uh, And unfortunately, one of them, you know, ended up going wrong and destroyed one of her eyes. And uh, she lost it and killed herself at the clinic in a bathtub. Um, She is a nude ghost covered in cuts uh covered in blood likes to scroll blood all over bathrooms and carries a kitchen knife uh and is feels like the sort of the most traditional sort of sort of like vengeancey or like you know something terrible gone wrong in someone's life ghost almost like uh, it's hard to hard to um verbalize exactly what i'm trying to get across here I don't know. She feels like a normal, like horror movie ghost. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, There's, reminds the me kind a of a more the unique. ghosts in uh, Mirrors. And then mm. uh, I know her. I, I, I no, I recall her like debut scene, whatever you want to call it, um, mm. where I think the the daughter. Uh, yeah, goes in the bathroom. Goes in to use the bathroom, and it's like there's so much tension of we, the mm. audience can see the ghost, it's but so she good. can't because she's not wearing those <laughs> yeah. glasses, and mm. she like escapes within a couple seconds of like being potentially stabbed with a knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's really drawn out as well. It's like three straight minutes or something. It feels like <laughs> of just you know. And it, again, it's one of those things where initially it, it's tense because you're like, well, it, the movie set up that these ghosts are really bad and they did already kill the executor by this point in the film. So we know they're probably not nice. But then this this lady ghost is just hanging out with this teenage girl in the bathroom. They're both like looking at their hair. They're doing their hair. They're checking out the bathtub. She's not like overtly aggressive in that scene uh, right up until just before. They yeah. leave the room, and so there's sort of that that will they won't they um is uh very tense. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, we then get the pilgrimess, uh, who is Isabella Smith, uh, who obviously went on pilgrimage uh from England to North America as one of those pilgrims, uh, to you know get a new life because she was an orphan in England. Um, unfortunately the community she moved to was already very well established and incredibly tight knit. And she ended up being really ostracized and sort of isolated from the town she was living in. Uh, and eventually became a, uh, very useful scapegoat for accusations of witchcraft, uh, when crops and animals began to mysteriously die. Um, interestingly enough, after she was beginning to be accused of witchcraft, she got trapped in a burning barn, uh, but just kind of managed to walk out completely unharmed, uh, which obviously the entire town took as, like, complete proof that she was a witch, at which point um, they went, well, she's a witch, but we can't burn her. What else do you do with witches? Um, and the the answer was you put the witches in the stock and let them starve to death. Uh, so she's, you know, this... Pilgrim style outfit, outfit, very gaunt woman in a in a walking stock, so with like the 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 hands up by the head, kind of style. 
or Hillary, I think it's meant to be called. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah, and, you know, just, uh, just good old witchcraft ghost. <laughs> uh, she's also definitely malevolent. She's running around, like, running into people and stuff, being all, being all, uh, all scared. Oh, pardon me. Or being, a being a, quite a scary ghost. <laughs> um, and then we come to the ones that always messed up my counting, because they're the ones that are presented as a pair. Uh, which is the great child and the dire mother. Um, so we start with the the uh, the larger of the two, which is the great child. Uh, Harold Shelburne was a mentally disabled man who never sort of outgrew, um, like the incredibly early stages of childhood. You know, he was still in diapers as an adult, had to be spoon fed, and didn't really talk. He just kind of communicated via, like, um, like early toddler like late regular baby late crawler i feel like babies are weird right you call it a baby and then it's a toddler and then it's a kid why don't we just call it a crawler in one of these more intermediary <laughs> stages where it's crawler. Ob obviously where it's obviously becoming well, more you... independent but it's not walking yet <laughs> no you just made it terrifying <laughs> a crawler a crawler Clearly. Um, oh, these are these are these are toddler clothes. Here's your crawler clothes. Yeah. Well, you know, you need them special. They need to be thicker in the knee because they wear out because of all the shuffling. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brain. Oh. Doing well. Um, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, he was um he was you know mentally disabled man uh who was uh part of a freak show along with his mother, uh, until one day uh, some of the other performers kidnapped uh, his mother, stuffed her in a sack in which she suffocated to death, and, you know, they all laughed at him wandering around the circus looking for her. Uh, and then when he found her dead, he he absolutely snapped uh, and got an axe and just killed a whole bunch of people, uh, at which point, um, you know, they... Uh, they rounded him up and went, okay, you've, you've murdered a ton of people. Mob justice happens, even though he's, you know, really not responsible for it. He, he is 100% a victim ghost. Um, he's also just like really gross to look at because his main thing is he's like, he, he, he's an adult man who physically looks like a baby. Like he's bold and very like baby cheeks and soft skin. And then he just has a, a bib and it is like covered in partially chewed food and I hate looking at it and it's gross and like not like implying towards anyone who is mentally disabled of course but like the the presentation of this this um this archetype of like just just the food thing really gets me I don't I don't like it um <laughs> maybe it's because I have a beard and I get really antsy about stuff getting stuck in it but <laughs> um, and of course, uh, he comes hand in hand with the dire mother, Margaret Shelburne, his mother, who was a, uh, in 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 contrast to her like six foot and change son, uh, she was barely three feet tall and could never stand up for herself. Um, her son was born uh via sexual assault, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, but she loved him and she did her best to care for him and smothered and spoiled him. Um, and 
you know, according to the director's commentary, this is this is one of the reasons behind Harold's mental handicap, and I don't know if that's a way to really view things these days, twenty years later. Um, better, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, she died uh, slightly before her son being, like, not technically intentionally killed by the other people at the circus, but you know, as part of this, this awful joke they were playing on her son she ended up dying and became a ghost alongside him um she is like a really neutral spirit like she shows up with harold and just she doesn't do anything because harold's there with an axe and she doesn't need to do anything Okay. Yeah, that 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 pair. Um, they're visually spooky, but they, mm. they don't do. Yeah, they're not overtly spooky. No, they're like it. Kind of makes sense. Like character-wise, they are again just people who just were trying to live their lives and are victims of their circumstances, as opposed to a couple of the other ghosts that are like awful, evil people who ended up as ghosts. Um, which I I kind of like that the um the the less aggressive ghosts tend to tend to be the ones that um are more 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 leaning towards victims. There's a couple that are still just outright aggressive. I, I feel like if a ghost has a weapon, <laughs> that kind of ups its chances of fighting. Like the the torn prince, also a victim, but he goes around beating people with a baseball bat, and the princess has a knife and attempts to stab people plenty although she never really gets to do it um then we have uh the hammer once again uh, another victim this one like really stands out visually um he's a he's a really big dude and he just has a bunch of railway spikes driven throughout like his entire body uh and one of his hands has been replaced with a big hunk of uh metal uh this is the hammer he uh he was a George Mark Kelly, and he was a blacksmith, uh, falsely accused of stealing by someone more important in his town and threatened with exile. Uh, he refused to leave, and so the town lynched his family. Um, in retaliation, George took his hammer and beat uh all the people who lynched his family to death. And so the town chained him to a tree stump and killed him by driving a bunch of railroad spikes into him and cutting off his left hand and, like, soldering, essentially, the hammer on in its place. Uh, he's a super violent spirit. Understandable that he's upset, honestly. Um, but, you know, he is... He's got a thing, again, super creepy that he does, where he just occasionally pulls out a railway spike, like, out of his face and readjusts it. It's like, he, he's interesting to look at. <laughs> um, yeah. And is like, yeah, again, one of the main aggressive spirits is, like, throwing people around, beating people with the hammer. Uh, he does it all. Uh, and then we get to the... Um, the final two of the twelve. Again, there we got number eleven, the jackal. Uh, this one is given a lot of sort of gravitas in the movie. Um, Dennis, who helped catch all these ghosts, when he finds out the uh, the jackal is loose, he's like, "Okay, no, screw the kids. We're just gonna leave." 
I don't want to deal with this ghost. Um, Ryan Kuhn Kun, uh, was born in 1887 uh, to a sex worker uh, and ended up becoming like a sexual predator himself and voluntarily went to an institute for treatment. Uh, but obviously it was the 1800s and medical practices, uh, for, especially for like more mental disorders and psychological disorders uh, were not great at the time. And he went completely insane because their main treatment for him was locking him alone in a cell. Um, he has a mensis cage on his head, which is fun. Uh, he's got one of those iron cages with like the little door for the face and everything. Uh, he's wearing a partially torn straitjacket uh, because uh, he, he just wasn't having a great time in there to the point where when the asylum burst into flames, he chose not to like evacuate with everyone else and just instead chose to get burned up in the asylum, hence becoming a ghost. Uh, he is probably the most overtly violent ghost in the in the remake, uh, and he he just runs at people. He's been locked in a cell for years, so he has these like long, gnarled, claw-like fingernails, and he just kind of jumps on people and like cat scratches them. Just goes absolutely nuts with it, uh, which is a uh, really interesting. And he's the um the first ghost that sort of like really proves the idea to the uh the family moving in because he you know grabs one of them and you know starts hauling up in the air and scratching them up and you know when you can see someone levitating and becoming physically injured with no clear source you start to understand the guy talking about ghosts might not be completely crazy yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah, like a, a fun, a fun visual design on that guy. I, I just like, I like head cages. Bloodborne really set a style, and I'm there for it. <laughs> um, and the the final of the twelve ghosts uh, is the Juggernaut, uh, who is present at the very beginning of the film. He's the ghost being caught at the start. Uh, Horace Mahoney was born like incredibly disfigured, abandoned by his mother, and so his dad put him to work in a junkyard because he was, like, incredibly strong and could help crush the cars without the use of a machine, which is nuts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when his father died, uh, he just kind of lost it and started killing motorists and hitchhikers and, like, with his bare hands, pulling them to pieces and just feeding them to his dogs. Uh, after a few of these, uh, he was arrested um, and then shot to death by a SWAT team transporting him to prison when he just broke out of his handcuffs. Um, and as a ghost, he just stayed in his junkyard and kept killing people. Uh, at the start of the movie, you know, he's like, you know, you told me he killed nine people. There's 40 bodies in this junkyard. Um He's a, he's a ridiculously malevolent spirit um, and is like really imposing because it's just this big, big, uh, like not necessarily wide, but like really tall and broad shouldered uh, sort of almost traditional Frankenstein looking guy in, you know, in like a junkyard worker's outfit. Uh, and all he does is throw people and cars around uh, and uh, does uh, probably the most brutal murder on scene in the entire film which is he picks up uh matthew lillard 
and uses a wall corner to like fold him. Um, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he does he does a Mortal Kombat fatality <laughs> on Matthew Lillard. Um, yeah, and of course the uh, the thirteenth ghost doesn't end up actually showing up in this film. Uh, so <laughs> it's all good. Uh, it would have been uh, Tony Shalhoub and. God knows we can't have another ghost running around. No. Um, it was yeah, but you know it, it's nice to have like this this fleshed out cast of ghosts. They all fit their visual designs. Is the is the nice thing like you can tell that you know they're not just slapping together this at the last minute. Like thought went into creating these twelve ghosts, and you know they're all very visually distinct. Um, although. My brain occasionally got like the pilgrimess and the jackal in like I, again it's because of the flashing because it's such brief little like frame flashes. Sometimes I go, oh, it's just the pilgrimess, and it would actually be the jackal rushing up because they have both have like the same sort of outlined face because of contraptions around the head area and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, um, as I feel I've said many times, great like practical effects on the ghosts and like good backstories on the ghosts which is nice um just wish it was more in the film like you can read into it like from context clues and like from the very brief rundown they give when they just read out the names of each of the archetypes uh but you know we could we could have had a little more ghost in this already very ghost filled movie <laughs> yeah, they could have done like a campfire scene, you know, not literally campfire, but mm. like what they do with the fog yeah. and it just introduces and kind of get, because these little summary, the little blurbs are short. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, you could do like giving a 30, some context or just 30 second scene. Could have just done it on like one or two with a, something. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. pick a couple. That'd be good. Yeah. Like because some of them, like you can you can get it from just looking at the ghost, like like um with uh with with the jackal you probably don't need the whole backstory he's clearly from like an old-timey asylum that's good enough for like information but like for like say uh the the great child and the dire mother it'd be interesting to get a little more information on why these two particular people are bound together and how they ended up here and things like that um, and obviously we do get like backstory for the juggernaut because it's the start of the film and they explain it pretty thoroughly. Yeah. But apart from that, yeah. Yeah, these I, they're enjoyable films, but they're not um, they're not super deep. They're very surface level. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do. I mean, I, I recommend watching the original, and mm. it doesn't doesn't even need to be in contrast. Uh, it's it stands on its own. Uh, it it doesn't have a lot of extra extraneous plot. It's about an hour mm. long, so it's just a quick <laughs> like sit down and have watch a little ghost story. Is is kind of what it, it turns into because it's again it's more about the people than the ghosts. Um, there just mm. happens to be some spooky goings on that are. Uh, they don't have to be extra explained. You can tell what's happening, mm. why it's happening, just not like the reason behind why did he capture it. If there was, I don't remember what it was. So why was he collecting ghosts? Yeah. He just did. <laughs> it's just, you know, 
It was a hobby. It was yeah. fine. It was just mm-hmm. a weird rich guy. There are worse things he could have been doing. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think hearing about the original film, I I can look past the very 2001 nature of the remake and appreciate the things it did in terms of like the broader plot and actually fleshing out motivations for why are all these ghosts in this house and like fleshing out backstories for the ghosts themselves and things. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not going to say I want a remake of the remake, but I feel like you could do the remake and update it to be kind of more serious and it would not be a bad movie, but it might also lose something in translation because it is fun as it is, as this, as this, sort of B-grade, early 2000s schlocky little horror trip, you know? It, yeah, it fits in um, very comfortably in the time that it was released. It, it, it didn't do well mm. um, critically. Uh, no, it, I it don't did okay. I don't know if it made its money back, but um, it became something it like a cult, cult yeah. status. I think it did eventually, but... Uh, mm. um, Oh, over time it's it's more looked at yeah. fondly uh mm. a, a, as long as you're not trying like i think as we did when you once you try to like dig into it it's it's not as good as just the surface level reading mm. yeah yeah right yeah like in in contrast i think it is perhaps a better film than it is if you just you, it's 2001 you went to go see this new horror movie for sure um, but you know, I think there's there's stuff there, and like even just on like look at this set, how did they build this set? Because this seems like a crazy set to want to build. Um, <laughs> and look at these cool practical effects. Uh, I think it's definitely worth uh worth a quick view. Yeah. Well, that's so weird. It's like the film is considered a financial disappointment, only grossing sixty-eight million against this forty. It's like you almost made double back. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It did I mean, fine. I mean, I guess they probably wanted a a more of a smash hit. Oh, well, for sure, because that's like, the 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 yeah. gross is like the worldwide one, where I think it barely mm. squeaked, or it's just under. Um, the domestic box office was yeah uh yeah the domestic box office didn't make budget but once you have a worldwide release it was fine yeah yeah uh, that's it's all it's all quibbling honestly yeah but uh um, if only no, movies could be truly judged on their character oh i know <laughs> not a very thought it's all about the money uh mm-hmm. yeah i this sits in that space where I like I wanted to um uh films that came out around the same time would be like maybe a few years later I guess um mm. the, the Tooth Fairy like I was a mid mid 2000s yeah. um the Tooth Fairy yeah. uh oh uh Scooby Doo 13, 13 Ghosts would have been um they which I really enjoyed mm um and something else oh uh we have fear.com which i do Mm -hmm. want to return to or look at uh and then um the darkness which was terrible but it had (laughs) good spooky things yeah but the movie itself was really bad (laughs) (laughs) or at least it was 
as I remember, I it's one of the few movies where I convinced a family member to go watch it, and then I felt really bad afterwards, like leaving the theater. <laughs> I was like, I, en- I enjoyed it for what it was, but um, mm. the, the people I coerced were like, we're never listening to you <laughs> to watch yeah. a movie again. Like, sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They can't all be winners. No, they can't. Um, but they can be enjoyable. Another, uh, maybe not the sequel as much, but um, White Noise uh, dealt specifically mm. with uh, EVP, and uh, that was that was an interesting one. Um, maybe more so because I I want to say it's uh, Michael Keaton. He doesn't mm. really do horror movies too often. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot. There's more. Uh, Ghosts didn't have the um, weird. I don't even know if it's a renaissance, but the focus that <laughs> zombies were like stuck. Like it just became mm. a, a glut yeah. of it, where I would I became tired of it real quickly. Like yeah, far before the the the, the juggernaut of The Walking Dead um, hit. Mm. Uh, I I still prefer like the heyday of 70s very early 80s zombie films that were like they're very specific in tone yeah um and what they yeah. were doing they kind of sit alongside the uh the, the, the uh, cannibal films um that came out about mm. the same time uh ghosts like they, they come and go it, like 50s, 60s, and then kind of not much, and then mm. uh, I would say probably 90s, 2000s, like that became a resurgence yeah. for ghost movies. Mm. I mean, we had a paranormal activity in sort of the late 2000s. Yeah, and that, that yeah, and that became less, uh, it's still still ghost-centric, but um, mm. that, that hit that <clears throat> Uh, found footage boom mm. and uh, it's not always specifically with ghosts um, the the wreck series is really good um, and that's demonic mm. zombies yeah kind of thing yeah um, those are fun mm. uh, yeah <laughs> i i prefer the idea of like the ghost films too because you can just do so much with it um and that that's one fun thing is mm. when you start getting um international like taking a look at international films and seeing what they do with ghosts and how that sits in their culture yeah. and the the things that inform that and it doesn't always necessarily have to be ghosts but um the, the invisible yeah intangible and, and, and entities yeah forces uh, yeah uh, we had covered the uh, the zero the sin um the, the jinn films which is mm. it crosses between like paranormal activity and um possession films like good intersection yeah. uh and then i think we took a look at um the those weird doll like possessed dolls Yes, yeah, we I did. The, I think that's uh, the, the one that you watched. Film about yeah. the doll. That was good. I enjoyed that. It was so that, interesting. that's that <laughs> ghost in a thing. Um, mm. 
And that that sits in that weird section of like dolls and puppets are creepy, but it's even worse if they're inhabited by a spirit. Yes. Uh, yeah. So maybe that that kind of thing is in the cards again. We have um, a few other uh, malevolent things to to take a look at and um, mm. fa- family hauntings, like something that's passed down through or is a um, effect of the generation before. Like this is kind of what we get with um, yeah. thirteen ghosts, uh, but that idea. Uh, is always, um, you know, very interesting. There's a, um, uh, I think it's Turkish. Um, it's the invocation of um, st- uh, Simir. I don't know, Enbir. I gotta look it up now because I forgot <laughs> the name of it, but it was fantastic. Uh, take two seconds because it should just pop up. There's not a lot of invocation titled films. Uh, the Invocation of Enver Simaku. It's a 2018, mm. um, 2018 film. I actually like. I highly recommend it. It um, it deals with a man who is. Uh, it's a Spanish, Spanish and Albanian. That's why I was thinking. So. Mm. But uh, it, it's a a man trying to um, uncover like these old murder and missing persons cases, but he's um, Mm. doing uh, interviews in Albania uh, and following along with like um, weird recorded tapes, like listening to them and trying to discover like what it's about. So it, it veers into that uh, evil dead kind of territory where you get real to real tape like that's just a good affectation Mm. um and listening to uh, old like garbled audio on like magnetic tape (laughs) reels and and just yeah that that i that realm of spookiness is a is a a favorite of mine Mm. and it's more of a character study uh, that just kind of goes off on the rails it's it's pretty good (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i think that that wraps us up for this episode um next time we'll probably be taking a look at the original and the remake of house on haunted hill so that will be another fun uh almost year to the date um comparison between yeah. the two films because the house on haunted <laughs> hill was 1960 i believe and yeah. um the other remake was 2000 yeah so oh, there we they're, go. they're they're almost the same like comparison. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, <laughs> uh, original films not not the remakes but the original two um, house of hunter hill and 13 ghosts was the same director so there's a lot of uh, uh, shared yeah. uh, dna aside from uh the house of hunter hill is starring um, vincent price so Yes, very well, that'll specific. help. <laughs> it's never going to hurt. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, we will catch you all next time. We'll do a bit of our admin and, uh, and then kind of be on our way. Cameron, where can folks find you on the interwebs? 
you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come follow me for the retweet of the weekly Elden Ring screenshot uh, and pictures of my cat and also of my parents' dog and also <laughs> complaints about the heat because it's starting to ramp up and get warm again down under uh, like a month ahead of schedule, which is unfortunate. Um, just gonna have to live with it. Uh, but yeah, you can mostly find me there. Um, and you know, yeah, feel free to feel free to come and chat if there's anything you want to talk about uh, with anything we've talked about on the show. Dave, where can people find you and our illustrious podcast online? You can find me on Twitter at sentinel underscore plus the podcast also on Twitter at mon underscore d monster or alternatively at monsterdeer dot monster. And our wayward co-host this time, Leonard, you can find him on Twitter <laughs> and on YouTube and elsewhere on the net at uh, Dr. Faust is Dead. Yeah. Yep, that's that's us this time. We'll be signing off and catch you next time for more ghosts is the plan. Bye-bye, folks. Mm-hmm. Goodbye.